So is 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 Big Bear City like presented as a place where you're just gonna find goons, or is it like Big Bear City has everything? Oh, like is it's it more like, Metropolis or more Gotham? It is. Oh, <laughs> it is uh, probably Metropolis at nighttime. Like, oh, okay. it's got goons, but it's also got the good pizza place. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> you'll take your like a. Uh, Bonnie Brown is from Big Bear City. Like, she's Brother Bear's on-again, off-again girlfriend. And she's from originally from Big Bear City. That's where you go to become an actress. Wasn't that that special Facts of Life episode? <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> we don't have to talk about having the 2D. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week, oh boy, uh, I have thoughts and feelings, and I am completely unprepared for this. So here's a little, here's a little secret of mine. Uh, this entire time I've been doing these, these chapter books, I've been living with this constant fear that one day these books are going to end. And I know they're going to end. I have a list of them in front of me, and I can see that there is a finite number of Berenstain Bears chapter books. I mean, sure, they go on for a little while longer, but I know that it's, this isn't forever. And while I love all the books in Bear Country, more or less, to a greater or lesser degree. Uh, and even though I know that once I'm done with the chapter books, we're going to be nestled back in the comfort of the shorter books, of the first-time books, of the religious books. We're going to have new experiences, meet new characters, uh, have a whole, a whole new paradigm shift, and things will be just as delightful. The chapter books have presented me with such a wealth of bizarre material and such a strange expansion of the lives of the characters in bear country that i'm going to be sad to see it pulled back and to see things sort of shrink back into the smaller world of the of the children's books that we started out with uh this isn't a this isn't a slight against the series or the direction in which they go i know they only have so many chapter books but the reason one of the so Standing as an example of one of these things is this week's book, 1997's The Berenstain Bear Scouts and the Magic Crystal Caper. This book literally begins with a paragraph that essentially dares you to read it. It it presents you with the plot, and then it says, can you believe we're actually going to tell you a story that contains these elements? And then it just goes on from there. And reading the book, I was like, no, I cannot actually believe that not only am I reading a a Berenstain Bears book that contains some of these elements, but that it has once again uh, shifted where we are in Bear Country. It has changed the landscape of Bear Country. It has changed the interaction between characters. It has changed uh, the belief system of Bear Country. It has changed uh, just the backstory of some of the people we know in Bear Country. It's, It's changing everything. And as I got overwhelmed, By the sheer volume of this book and by the twists and turns of the plot, I thought to myself, I need somebody to help me through this, to help me just get a grip on what is happening, to tell me I am not the crazy one here and that this is a real Berenstain Bears book. And who better to join me on this particular journey than someone who is used to covering books in which there are twists and turns and plots that go in places you do not expect them to go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show... The author of the In the Attic blog, which is all about the books of B.C. Andrews, Megan Sunday. Hello, Megan. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. So before we get started on this particular book, tell me a little bit about your personal history with the bears in bear country. 
Well, I read uh, a ton of the shorter books when I was a kid. Um, the Spooky Old Tree was probably one of the first books that I ever remember having read to me and then eventually reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to pretend that I knew how to read that book because my parents had read it to me so frequently that I had it memorized. And I can remember reciting it to my mom and turning pages at inappropriate times and going, see, I, I can read this book. I'm do you reading. still remember any of it? Well, I do, but it, because I, I read it to my daughter now. So oh, 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 oh. So yeah. what, it would be impure if you like claimed... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could pretend that I could just recite it to her, but. <laughs> do you, do you, but beyond the spooky old tree, do you remember any of your favorites or did you have any favorites or was it just sort of like cultural background? For some reason, my favorite was, I forget the exact wording of the title, but the one where they have to clean the room. Oh, in the messy room. Yes. I couldn't remember if it was, it was the, the messy room, but something about, how they got it all organized at the end i was just like wow that would be so great look at that and yeah it is it is immensely satisfying how, yeah, how they make that look the labels and the hooks and uh-huh I, yeah i oh i just love that one it's one of those books that i look at the pictures and i look at how how it all ends up and i'm like i really wish i could live that kind of life mm-hmm. yeah like I, <laughs> I wish that was possible uh but this book oh boy Ooh. So you've never, so you've never do, you've never dove into the chapter books like no. that was Mm-mm. completely foreign territory. Uh, this one is a, this one stands out even amongst the the buckwild nature of <laughs> of the Berenstain Bears chapter books. Uh, why don't you? Why, I don't even know where to begin with this. Where where do you want to begin with this? I guess the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so explain to the explain to the listeners what this disclaimer is. Uh, so, the, the very first paragraph of the book is telling you that if someone were to tell you the plot of this book, you probably wouldn't believe them, and you would probably say, "Hey, wait a minute." And the answer to that, they tell us, is, "Hey, you wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the actual wording, the exact wording is, you might say, "Hey, wait a minute." Well, the answer to that is, "Hey." You wait a minute, which is like this, like, it's, it's, it's the Berenstain's like jabbing you in the chest. And then they say, this is, here are all the things that are going to happen in this book. And they're, they all really happened. And we're going to tell you how, but you have yep. to keep reading. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> now the, the list of things that actually happen in this book are just, aren't even the craziest things that happen in this book. Uh, crashing objects, the size of cannonballs, the bear town, June Fett. Atomic energy and a magic crystal ball. Like, those are just, that's your baseline right there. Yep. It's a, a small selection. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, like, what there is, because there's what happens in the plot, and then there's what happens between certain characters. <laughs> that's really where things go off the rails. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you explain to us just, just a little bit about what happens in this book? Well... The, the Bear Scouts decide that they, well, they, they, their Scoutmaster puts them up for an award. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find out in a week or so if they get it. And they go to tell Gramps about being nominated for this award. And he's not in the park. So they go looking for him in his house. And, well, on their way there, they see the setup for the summer, the June Fete. And they remember that Gran always has a fortune-telling booth yeah. at this event every year. So they decide that when they're at Grant and Graham's house, maybe she could tell their 
her their fortune for them and tell them if they win the award. Uh, when they get there, however, she does not have her crystal ball because Gramps took it to the bowling alley to have holes drilled in it. <laughs> right. And when he gets back, he informs them that he has spent all of his and Grand's money on buying the bowling alley. <laughs> and then someone drops her crystal ball. And mm-hmm. when they pick it up, it has begun glowing pink and is hot to the touch and now actually tells fortunes. Okay, and so they... <laughs> we've already – okay, so <laughs> let's stop right there for a sec. So a lo- that is – wait. <laughs> <laughs> so right off the bat, they have been entered Scout, – Scout Leader Jane has entered them for, a, for an award called the uh, – oh, what is it? The Super Troop Merit Badge Award. Yeah. Which is something we've never heard of. We also have learned that there's a a, a Bear Scouts, uh, like a high council, which is the first we've ever heard of there being like, a, well, a Berenstain Bear Scouts high council. So uh, just a little, a little, a little uh, sneak peek of the end of this book. This, this uh, plays little to no, has little to no relevance at all to the plot of the rest of this book. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it's basically mm-hmm. just a reason to get them to go to Grizzly Gramps and Grizzly Gran. What are your thoughts on Grizzly Gramps? So Grizzly, what are your thoughts on Grizzly Gramps buying a bowling alley? <laughs> it's so, so it's initially brought up that he apparently loves bowling. Right, which He's has never been bowling. brought up before. This is a new thing. Uh, we'll call the bowling alley sometimes just to listen to people bowl. Uh-huh. And then... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let's go back again. Grizzly Gramps does what now? Sometimes when he can't go bowling, he calls the bowling alley and has the manager hold the phone up so that he can just listen to people bowling. Great. That's great. That's really all we needed to know. This is where we stand right now with Grizzly Gramps. And I guess, well, he is down at the bowling alley getting... They're getting the crystal ball drilled with with holes like a bowling ball has, so that it's easier for Grant to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, he somehow just buys the bowling alley, um, and has spent all of their money on it. Right, right. Their life savings, and to which Grant is kind of just like, oh well, that money's gone, so can't do anything about that now which right i feel like you could maybe go back and say excuse me <laughs> right right bought this bowling alley no like, thank you apparently like she didn't have to like he has full access to their money like, buying a business isn't as simple as just like writing a check is it i don't think so but i guess if you're squire grizzly you just take that check and head off Right, because it's Squire Grizzly's Squire Grizzly's bowling alley. Apparently, yeah, the richest bear in Bear Country also owned a bowling alley. <laughs> he owns so many things. He like... does. Uh, we we did we did miss a part though. On their way to Grizzly Gramps and Grand's okay. house, they. <laughs> so this is here's like hey, so here's another thing that happens. Uh, they pass Raffish Ralph or Ralph Ripoff, and what do they see him doing? Um, well, they they follow him because they decide, you know, he can't possibly be up to any good. Uh-huh. And they start seeing him talking to a lot of people, and he's he's taking money from these yes. people, and he's writing things down in a notebook, to which Brother says, he's making book. 
Yeah. So wait. <laughs> yeah, brother just announces that Ra- Ralph is making book, and what does that what does that mean? It means that he's he's a bookie. He's mm-hmm. he's taking bets. Um, th- I don't know why brother knows that. Uh-huh. Um, it's never explained. He 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 just knows that. No one else knows what it means. Sister is like, well, what's that? And no one else gets it. And their their way, his way of showing them what it means is to yell, "Yo, Ralph!" until he <laughs> drops all of his money, <laughs> and then they can walk up to him and start saying, "Well, where did you get all this money, Ralph?" Yeah, it's really weird. So Ralph <laughs> is like taking. He's he's acting as a bookie, and the bear cubs startle him, and that's it. Like. I don't know. Like, there's something about like he's literally surrounded by bears. I don't understand. Like, he's not doing this in secret or anything. Like, it's Mm-mm, it's yeah. a really weird reaction to just the cubs approaching. And why are they like? You can't just follow people around and yell things at them if you think right. they're up to no good. You're not agents of any sort of authority. <laughs> You're bear scouts. Right. They're the bear scouts. Well, they pretty much are the agents of that's authority. True. In this town. Yeah, there's yeah, only that's two true. police officers. And and Ralph does mention that I think he's effectively going to blackmail them if the police ever try to stop him from being a bookie because, as he points out, the police play play cards All right. at the police station. It's, it's yeah. He's like, well, yeah. Like I know that Officer Marguerite and Chief Bruno like have a little thing going on on the side. I'm like, what is happening in this town? Like it's. <laughs> And then he just sort of wanders off, and they're just like, oh, those, that Ralph. Well, we right. got to keep going. And this is all before magic enters the equation. Oh, right, because so we have this crystal ball, which is just, as far as we know, like a, just a prop crystal ball. Like you could mm-hmm. buy it any, like, I don't know, like magic shop. Or I guess it's made out of real crystal, but that's about it. And it gets dropped down the stairs... And what happens? It starts to glow. It glows pink. As things do. And it becomes very hot to the touch. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to find the the exact phrasing is that uh, Fred suggests that smashing down those stone steps might have done something to the crystal's atomic structure. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what science does. Yeah. Like, that's how nature works. That's how things happen, is you drop something and it becomes magic. Uh, They then continue to use it. They're just all like, well, that's strange, but okay. And this time when Gran does her, she has, like, some words that she says before she does her, you know, supposed fortune telling. This time she actually starts seeing the future. Right. Uh, So (laughs) what does she see? Well, she sees a couple of... uh, sporting results i think it's a, it's a baseball game and and i guess like the, the bear version of nascar the race mm-hmm. and she sees the bowling alley with a closed sign on it right and gramps didn't and like that she's scared by her new powers mm-hmm. like she's like oh my god like i actually i saw the future said gran in a strange voice i actually saw the future and here's where a rift begins forming between Grizzly Gran and Grizzly Gramps. Yeah, he does not believe that she actually saw the future. Uh, and he's also very defensive of his newly acquired bowling alley because uh-huh. he expects to be making money hand over fist. And there's no way there would ever be a closed sign on it. Right. So they all have to pile in the car, except for poor Gran, who is, I guess, recovering from 
just having seen the future. Right. Uh, like, this is a woman who apparently has been, I don't know, I guess like a charlatan her whole life. Like, I don't know much about how, like, fortune telling works, but I'm assuming that the fact that she suddenly realized she did see the future has, like, thrown everything that she's been doing in her service into, like, sharp relief. I kind of got the impression, because they said that she, that was, like, one of her hobbies. Like, it's right. mentioned that they have very different hobbies, and one of hers is fortune-telling, and she does you know, tea leaves and ashes and all kinds of things. I guess I just sort of assumed that she just sort of thought she was maybe seeing the future. It was just like, oh, I have a, a really good feeling about that test you're going to take. And everyone just went, yo, yay, you know. Yeah. And maybe she kind of believed it. Maybe she didn't. But now she's, like having actual physical reactions to having actual visions of the future and everyone is just sort of like well i guess that's strange that that just happened let's <laughs> go you know to a bowling alley <laughs> it is strange and then they do just go to the bowling alley uh, and this is where we get the bad news that the bowling alley has actually been shut down yes because Oh, but importantly, when they are waiting to be let into the bowling alley, they talk about Grand's premonitions. Oh, right. And they they discuss specifically what she saw, that she saw the results of this this baseball game and the results of the race and that the bowling alley would be closed because right. this is apparently all overheard. By Billy. Billy, the, the manager of the bowling alley. Billy, the only character in the history of the Berenstain Bear books not given the dignity of a last name. Just... Billy from the bowling he's, alley. He's simply Billy. And I've never heard of them not giving a character like a clever, like bear related name. It's just, it's a very strange, like that. That's it. Like he's just Billy. It even says it on his hat. Billy. Yeah. He's not Billy bear. Billy. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. And trust me, I looked. What's up with that Billy? <laughs> well, so, he's got uh, some suspicious stuff going on. Yeah. So this is where things get. So if, if things aren't dense enough, things start getting complicated now because you find out that Billy is in debt to Raffish Ralph, to Ralph Ripoff. Uh, yes. Well, it turns out that money. The, the reason that they call the bowling alley is closed because the machine that sets the pins is broken. Right. And it turns out that it was always going to, it was always like right on the cusp of breaking, which was why Squire Grizzly sold the bowling alley. Yeah, for so cheap. And so, like, even though Squire Grizzly is not a character in this story, like, he's kind of the cause of all the strife. And Gramps almost, like, punches Billy in the face. Yes. So this is also the beginning of another element of Gramps' personality that we've seen happen before is he turns violent uh, kind of easily. Uh, in the in the Berenstain Bears and the Giddy Grandma he got into a he got into a, a knockdown socking punching fight with uh with his romantic rival and like he's gotten into fights with farmer ben like physical altercations uh he's he's very hot-headed he's very uh quick to just go off uh not only on his perceived enemies but on his own family as we shall soon see mm -hmm. um but yeah they talk him out of punching billy uh so then Oh, and it turns out there's also apparently another bowling alley, which I didn't know how much bowling this, this area could support, but apparently at least two. Well, apparently it's in Big Bear City. Oh, and, I didn't see. Okay. So it's on the highway. Oh, on the highway. Yeah, I guess it's on the highway. Yeah, yeah. We've never dealt with bowling in this series before, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like the thing to do in bear country. Like, 
I guess like I get I don't know maybe maybe the town can barely support two bowling alleys in the first place like it's that's up in the air um so it's at this point that that Ralph shows up and they go into Billy's office and you find out that he owes Ralph some money and then he so so Billy just points out that he cannot pay him back uh and Ralph then threatens him with some guys that he knows in Big Bear City. Yup. <laughs> so, so now, yeah, there's goons. So Ralph has goons. So we have, we've learned so much about Ralph over the years. Sometimes he's like the crook with the heart of gold, and sometimes he is a crook who will sick his goons on you, <laughs> and like threaten to hurt you, to harm your body. And this is that Ralph. This is Ralph who we actually find out later actually used to be a uh, a, a second story bear, as they call them. He used to he used to break into homes and steal <laughs> things. That comes into play uh, later on. So this is a Ralph with a very very limited moral code, and uh, we're going to see just how far that moral code goes. Uh, but first, the the Cubs decide to help out at the bowling alley by setting the pins themselves. Mm-hmm. And I want to point out that uh, they're talking. It's a dangerous job, as Gramps says, because he was a pin boy or whatever when he was a when he was a cub. And you have to be quick, or else you get hit by the bowling balls and the bowling pins. And uh, Sister says uh, that. Well, they say that Sister and Lizzie are, are, are double Dutch champions, which means that they're nimble. Mm-hmm. And Sister says, I can even do red hot pepper. And that's a deliberate callback to the first Lizzie Bruin storybook, Trouble with Friends, uh, where the girls were constantly bragging about the fact that they could uh, do red hot pepper with their jump ropes. <laughs> I just had to point that out. I was like, I like this little callback. <laughs> Sister says, I can even do red hot pepper. And Lizzie says, me too. And if you're in the know, you're like, I get that reference. <laughs> so is this where they talk about how Gramps and Grand first met? Yes, because he tells them, because they ask, well, what did you use? To, how did they used to set the pins before they had these machines? And he says, well, you know, they were pin boys and pin girls. And that's where I met Grand. Mm-hmm. And we fell in love bowling. with bowling and Grand the same time which directly contradicts <laughs> the story of the of the of the giddy grandma which says that gran was a vaudeville performer uh who was a one she was a one bear band and that gramps was a stage door johnny who used to moon after her and that there was a clown who was also after gran's affections and she was dating both men and it wasn't until Gramps showed up on one of the their dates and punched the clown man in the face that Grand decided that she was the guy for him. A relationship born of conflict and violence. Yeah. But that was very clearly the book about how they met. Now it was mm-hmm. in the other chapter book series. It was in the big chapter books, not the bear the Bear Scouts chapter books, which of course further supports my theory that this is two separate continuities. Bear Scouts are a separate continuity from the big chapter books. In any case, they ha- they get a new origin story in this book, which is the <laughs> we both worked at a bowling alley. <laughs> so romantic. Yeah, I guess more realistic though. Like in Bear Town, like he he doesn't like the 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 Cubs idea, which I, they're the only ones who have an idea because Gramps's only idea is to go home and smash the crystal ball, which he blames for all of this. Right. Um. 
and then they say well we, we could do that and billy decides that that's a good idea because they have lots of groups booked to come in and bowl and they need to fix this situation somehow yeah so gramps decides that he might as well give it a try he's he's very down on them even trying to help but they're the only ones trying to do anything Gramps. yeah it's weird uh Gramps starts becoming obsessed with this crystal ball Mm-hmm. Like, it's just eating at him. Like it says, it's eating at him. Because uh, Gran starts becoming kind of famous for her predictions. Yeah, it starts coming out that, you know, somehow they, they tell everyone right. um, that this is going to happen. And at first, the, the, the Cubs are very behind this because I guess that the, the big, like, festival is to raise money for the hospital. So they're like, right. well, this is great. It'll make lots of money for the hospital. But Gramps doesn't think it's natural. But what, just really quickly, the thing that I kept noticing that I thought was such a strange little thing to put in is that whenever they mention needing to raise money to save the bowling alley, Gramps just keeps saying that if they raise enough money, he can get a loan to fix the machine. Like, he can't fix the machine on his own. He's still just got to have enough money. He's got to show he's making money so he can go to the bank and get a loan. Mm Mm-hmm. I go, oh, okay, wow. It's, a, it's pretty convoluted. <laughs> and also just, I mean, realistic, but I feel like usually in a book like this, it would just be like, oh, we made $200. We can save the bowling alley. Right. <laughs> Not, well, plus, I have to go to the bank and apply for a loan. <laughs> this is a town where the Cubs are best friends with a scientist who invented a submarine and uh, like a, a glowing uh, hydroplane boat and a, uh, a, a, an airplane with a tranquilizer machine gun. Like they are, they are best friends with an adult who could probably just fix the pin machine. Mm-hmm. But it never occurs to them to just be like, "Hey, we know the smartest bear in the world. He lives just up the road. Let's go get actual factual to fix the." That's the problem with establishing continuity like that. And well, they're all dealing with the new consequences of of magic and evil, and right, no, so no one has the- any time. Let's talk for a second about the introduction all of a sudden of legitimate magic into bear country. Um, Because Gran now has, she's now a precog. She can like (laughs) totally see, act literally see the future. No one seems to react big enough to that. No, not at all. Everyone just thinks it's really cool. Yeah. No one is alarmed. No one is suspicious. No one thinks that maybe they should lock this up you know, in a big warehouse somewhere. Right. No, everyone just is like, wow, Gran can really tell the future now. This is great. And it's never made clear if it's Gran, if, if it's connected at all to Gran. Like, no, yeah. If, she's the only one who's ever used the ball to see the future. But then what happens, of course, is that Ra- Ralph Ripoff gets the idea to steal the ball so he can make money with it. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't ever know if it, if it would work for anyone else because she's yeah. the seer. Yeah, no one else ever tries. I bet Lizzie could do it. Lizzie, uh, of course, is our is our. What did you, how did you refer to her? <laughs> a wood witch. <laughs> yeah. What does that even mean? She's just out like well, she's you know attuned to nature. She's always talking to animals, and they apparently understand her. Uh, which I mean, I guess she's a bear, but right. I guess there's a definite delineation. Um, but she's just always sort of. Whenever anyone else is talking about something, I think at the beginning of the book, they're all deciding what to do for the day, and Lizzie's just talking to a butterfly, yeah, like in the corner. And at one point, someone says, uh, "Let's kill two birds with one stone," and she says, 
please don't ever say that again because it's it's a horrible violent thing to say like birds are our friends and uh i bet she could see the future if she looked at that crystal ball i do like the fact that she she's the one who always points out like the uh the problematic turns of phrase that people use so ralph (laughs) wow so this is the thing where like all of a sudden there's like a there's like four books worth of plot and it's the last like four chapters but Uh, gramps is like bowling all the time uh uh-huh he's bowling out all his rage literally they say that they think maybe he pretends that the people like the reporters who were coming to talk about gran and the people who are planning the the festival and maybe even gran herself are the pins and he's just (laughs) throwing the you know chucking the balls down and it's like oh okay yeah. I mean that's good. Get it out, but yep. mm. don't don't get it out on people, there, Gramps. Get it out on those those pins. Ralph comes up with a very complicated plan to get <laughs> to get because so he's like, well, I can't just steal the crystal ball because everyone's going to assume it's me because I steal everything. He well, what does he do? He he's watching lives of the bear, rich and famous, and he sees Squire Grizzly's mansion, like his estate. And they have one of those like reflective decorative balls that people have in their yards. Right. And so he decides that he will steal that, then break into Grant and Gramps' house and swap out the bowling bags. He's going to buy an identical bowling bag and swap it out so that he has the real crystal ball and they have the decorative one. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know why he couldn't just buy one, but I guess, you know, they could trace right. that, but <laughs> it's, it's funny because like, there's a lot. Okay. So we didn't even cover the fact there's this huge deals made about like these bowling bags. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a story yeah. in of itself. Like the fact the bowling alley sells these bags and that Gran has a bowling. One of the bags has her ball in it. And one of the bags has Gramps's bowling ball in it. And now Ralph goes and he gets a bag to buy, to do the swap with. Then he breaks into their house and he doesn't know which bag to steal because there's two bowling bags. So he just makes a guess. And I'm like, dude, you're already in their house. Just unzip the bag. Like it's right there. You're holding it. Just check which bag is right. Yeah. And he like, they're very specific about him breaking into this house. (laughs) Yeah. Because he was a second story bear. It's a second story bear. He knows how to get in. He sees an open window. He crawls up a trellis. It's a bathroom window. Like there's a nightlight. I'm like, okay. Yep. Like, we know everything. I don't know how he knows that she keeps it in that closet. Right. Oh well. I guess there's only so many places. Uh, I would hate to think that if Grizzly Gramps woke up though while someone was in his house. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Like I would. I do not want to know what's going to happen if that happens because you know that guy has a gun. Yeah. That's. Oh boy. Those reporters would be coming back and for yeah, the wrong be... reasons. Bad news is a whole other chapter book in there. Uh, so, oh, this also they keep mentioning that Gramps and Grand live on Ridge Road. Like that's also some mm-hmm. a detail that a detail that has never been brought up before. But all of a sudden, it's very important to remember that Gramps and Grand live on Ridge Road. In case you want to go rob their house. So here's something chilling. When they reach Ridge Road, the Bear Scouts, uh, everyone's kind of upset because the biggest fight in the world is going on. The biggest fight Gramps and Grand had ever had. The screaming and hollering were the least of it. Uh, the scouts rushed into the house to find Gramps trying to wrestle Gran's bowling bag away from her and Gran hanging on to it for dear life. Let's talk about this fight. Oh, boy. Like that, when it got to the part where it was just a very loud fight, I was like, well, 
that's a little intense, but I guess, you know, they're trying to show that this has really been a huge, huge deal. Yeah. But the part where there's the legitimate, like, wrestling, like, mm-hmm. she, you know, I just picture him, like, holding the bag out of her like, reach, and she's trying to, like, grab at it, and, oh, my God. And then brother has to yell at them to stop. Mm-hmm. Specifically, at Gramps to stop. And then it's, it, it says that the sound of brother's voice and the sight of the Bear Scouts seem to bring Gramps to his senses. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like, wow, where was this going? And then he goes bowling. Mm-hmm. In, a, he, in, in a fit of anger. Yeah, he grabs a bag. And he, the bag, he grabs on the bag that had been on the table. It's very specific. Not the bag that he was trying to hold out of her reach, but the bag that was on the table. Right. And he goes well, and he, bowling. Well, he does a horrible power play, too. And this is a thing. Yes. Where he was going to drive Gran to the to the June Fet so she could do her, uh, her 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 fortune telling. Instead, he's like, "I'm going to go bowling," and she says, "How am I going to get to the June Fet?" And he says, "Take a taxi," and he roars off down the street. And that's such a power move, like yeah. a, like a, 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 a horrible thing to leave your partner stranded in any sense is that's grim and it's definitely presented as i mean obviously we don't know if if you know she can drive it sounds like they only have the one the one vehicle but and earlier when they initially drove to the bowling alley he was apparently driving extremely recklessly because sister Mm -hmm. starts screaming about it um but they have to say that they'll make sure that she gets there in time and that they'll call the committee for the festival to, you know, I guess have them send a car or something. But, yeah, like, yeah he knows that she's stranded there. Mm-hmm. That it's clearly too far to walk uh, and that she's she's stuck. And yeah. he's But he's leaving. Because he he's been care. yelling now. He, he, is, he is deeply concerned, not about Gran, but about this evil ball. Mm-hmm. This, like, horrible evil ball that's unnatural and we get a small a small taste of the fact the idea that maybe he's on to something because grant says he's been angry as a bear ever since my crystal got its wonderful pink glow she sat down in an armchair with the bowling bag in her lap she unzipped it and reached in with both hands my beautiful warm glowing crystal yeah and then she lifts it out and she screams this is not my crystal <laughs> And it's like, oh, it's a palantir. It's like, yeah, like like it's Sauron Merlin's, is watching. <laughs> Merlin's grapefruit from the Dark Tower. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's this. Oh, what what has happened in Bear Country? <laughs> like, has she just been doing this all the time? Yeah, like, that's the thing. Is that I bet that's you know those are reporters and stuff, but like, is she gardening anymore? What's happened to her petunias? Like, I bet if this was. If this was filmed, you know, you'd see that, like, the garden was all dead or right. everything's dusty because she's just got to keep looking. Yeah, she hasn't changed her clothes in a couple of days. She's seeing the future. She's seeing everything. Right. <laughs> the things she's seen. <laughs> we actually do get this weird, like, moralistic lesson near the end of the book mm-hmm. uh, about seeing the future. Like, the notion of seeing the future, like the danger of knowing your future. Like it's a weird lesson to teach kids because it's one of those things you're never going to have to contend with. But uh, it's, it's definitely in here. We play with like, what, Oh, what, what is the, well, let's see what happens at the story. (laughs) 
Well, so they realize that it's not the right crystal ball. Uh, it doesn't have the finger holes drilled into it, and it doesn't glow or anything. And so... And they brother, immediately know it's Ralph. Yeah. Like, like he knew would happen, but yeah, yeah, obviously. No one else in this town would do something like that. Um, brother, again, has to point out that Ralph, he calls him uh, our bookmaking friend Ralph. So I feel like Brother just read about bookies. Yeah. It was really just like, <laughs> he's, he's all I know about this, go. guys. Um, that guy's making book. <laughs> uh, so then they put it together where he would have gotten the same bag. And then they say, well, that means he must have the crystal ball. Right. But then Brother realizes that the table where Gramps' bowling bag was sitting is warm. Meaning right. that he had the magical glowing warm crystal ball in his bag and has therefore taken it to the bowling alley. <laughs> and so they try to get to the bowling alley before he smashes the ball, but they don't make it in time. They do not. And they also ride in the police car. Right. It's important. I, I enjoy that because I feel like at that point it was like, oh, we've got to get them there. There's no car. The right, police. right. Here comes the police chief. <laughs> oh, we've got to end this book. It's It's getting weird. So they they turn on the siren, which uh-huh. sure, uh, but they got they get there too late. He is already it's ready in his backswing, and he's too angry to realize that his bowling his, he was much too angry to notice that his bowling ball was warm and had a strange pink glow. Yeah, and then he sends it down the alley. Yep, and uh oh, after he gets a strike, and afterwards, the ball is cold and the pink glow is gone. Yep, just like Gran. <laughs> she doesn't start screaming then. No, not yet. Uh, uh, and then that's and like in literally a paragraph, Ralph discovers that he just has a bowling ball and he throws it away. He throws it out the window. Yeah, because he lives in a houseboat apparently, mm-hmm. and he, he, he just then with a strength born of fury, which that was extremely dramatic. I liked yeah. that that turn of phrase. Like he's he's angry. Uh, and his parrot finds this all very entertaining. And then we get a quick four paragraphs to wrap it all up. Gran was fine. She she admitted that the strange powers of her crystal ball were getting to be quite a responsibility. It's like, no, you were you were addicted. You were addicted, Gran. We know. <laughs> it's okay. The scouts never find out if they got their merit badge. Nope. Nope. We don't. Or we, the readers, don't. And uh, that's it. Half the fun of life is not knowing what's going to happen next. The end. <laughs> like, that's it. Yep. No one's like. Wasn't it weird that you could tell the future for a while? Okay, remember when you had magic powers, maybe? We're not sure. Or you were just carrying around an atomic bowling ball? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, remember when science stopped meaning anything? (laughs) And, like, nature folded in on itself? And, like, somehow, like, the space-time continuum was completely warped in your favor? Remember that? That was weird. (laughs) Can we talk about your husband's rage? Yeah, his rage. How he started saying things were unnatural and evil, and yeah, you no, know? yeah. Well, here's Gramps' little monologue uh, from the middle of the book, where he's going on about the ball to the to the Cubs. He says, "Look at it this way. Just think about all the folks who'll be lined up for readings at the June Fet. Suppose Grand looks into that creepy crystal of hers and sees that something awful is going to happen to somebody or somebody's loved ones. What's Grand supposed to do? Does she tell them the truth, or does she lie and tell them everything's going to be all right?" And they're like, man, that's that is true. That's that's a horrible thing to think about, Gramps. Thanks for putting that in our heads. Like it's that's a weird, like that's kind of the 
that's kind of the idea this book ends up hinging on. Yeah. And uh, I do like also at one point that Fred points out that it might be a scientific breakthrough or maybe a miracle. Uh huh. Then they back away from that real quick. They're like, oh, maybe right. not. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 suddenly like we're suddenly in a weird area here. We're suddenly playing around with with the notion that like it's that it's that whole like Ghostbusters thing where like all of a sudden New York is aware all, all of a sudden everyone is suddenly aware that there are ghosts. And that means that there is an afterlife. And that means that there is this like a theological breakthrough uh in in the in the entire world. Like that's a thing. And like nothing can ever be the same with this knowledge. And that's what happens in this book. Like even Fred, like the rational one, is like, maybe it's just this miracle. Like, they now know that this is possible, that, like, that nature means nothing, that physics is wrong, that science is, is <laughs> that there's, like, there, nothing is impossible at this point. Simply dropping an object on the ground can imbue it with mystical forces beyond our comprehension. And that, that, then, that, then everything goes back to the status quo, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one ever you know calls to the best of our knowledge no one ever calls ralph and what he did it's like no. he did break into your house i know that oh, yeah. he did help solve the whole situation inadvertently but he also burgled your house yes <laughs> um so maybe someone could talk to him about that yep someone needs to talk to him about his 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 many crimes someone needs to talk to grizzly gramps about his, his marriage <laughs> Because in, in the Giddy Grandma, he got so mad at Gran for wanting to revive her vaudeville act that he moved out. Oh, my gosh. He moved out on her. He was so angry at her. He couldn't, he couldn't sleep in the same house with her anymore. And, uh, and that was, that was the, the Cubs had to convince him to return to Gran. Like, they almost separated uh, because of his extreme jealousy and anger. Well, it is very – like, when, when he first – comes in and says that he bought the bowling alley she very sensibly asks that you know if the bowling alley is doing so well and making so much money why would squire grizzly sell it to you yeah and his response is to say good grief woman don't you understand business yeah oh don't you does he still own the bowling alley at the end i think so they don't really that's kind of dropped too yeah like that doesn't at the end of this book we're still left they're still left with no life savings. Yep. Like he spent all their money. Okay. Drives away, leaving her stranded with no car as a power move. Screams at her. Uh, physically keeps her from from obtaining things that she wants, and spends and and drains their savings on a whim, like on a like an, like an, on an impulse, like to, just for his own personal gain, his own personal satisfaction. Like there's a lot going on with Gramps. Yeah. Here. And I mean, even it's like the smallest thing, but there's a picture when they're talking about the differences between what Gramps and Grand, like their hobbies. Yes. That he likes to fish and they do, they do say that he can be a little difficult. Uh-huh. Um, they're sure to do that. But in the picture, you see him fishing and you see him making like there's a bottle, a ship in a bottle. And then there's just a picture of him reading the newspaper where he's saying, <laughs> dang, government. Yep. <laughs> it's like, that just okay. Yep. In a nutshell, there it is. And while that's happening, Gran is just in the foreground walking by with, I think it's like supposed to be a, a, a flower arrangement, just kind of smiling like, oh, 
that man of mine. Yep. Uh, and bear in mind, this book was published during the Clinton administration. So <laughs> that's another peek into Gramps. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Grant is presented as a person who can take care of herself, but she's living with this guy. <laughs> like, I just think yeah. they have to preface this. It's a, you, Gramps and Grant, we're an interesting couple. Mm-hmm. Gramps was a terrific person. He could be a bit difficult. Mm. Like, oh, okay. No, he's he's got strong opinions. They're just, yes. they're trying so hard to just be like he's just you know a little cantankerous. He's also frequently the only bear in bear country who'll believe the cubs when it comes to like weird things happening. Mm. So he's a little more inclined to. He's also basically the conspiracy theorist of bear country. <laughs> he believes that there is an underground network of weasels attempting to take over to overthrow the bears weasels that nobody else believes in uh except of course he's right there are weasels living under bear country who are attempting to overthrow bear country uh and in fact the animated episode that this book is based on because it is based on one of the 85 cartoon episodes the 1985 uh it was actually uh the weasels were in, were were the ones who told ralph to get the crystal ball that's pretty much the only difference there's no cubs there's no like Gramps buying the bowling alley or anything, but uh, it's basically the same plot. It ends with Gramps accidentally bowling the magic glowing pink crystal ball and it losing its powers. But uh, yeah, they they wisely they wisely did not try to incorporate the the, the underground net warren of weasels into this one. I don't know. I feel like that might make more sense than hey, I bought a bowling alley because I I love bowling so much that I have to call and listen to bowling. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I just, I worry about Gramps' character. Like, I just worry about him. I worry about him. I worry about Gran a lot. Like, after the stuff we've been introduced to, I just, I worry about them. Yeah, it's just, there were so many moments that, yeah, the, just the, like the scene with Billy where his first inclination is just to, like, grab him by the collar and start pulling his hand back. Like, yeah. Whoa! Um, slow down a second. He didn't break the pin machine. Right. Like, like, oh boy, okay. And how the Cubs are just so like, oh, Gramps, don't punch people. Come on, calm down. Yeah. Like that, oh boy, that shouldn't be that routine. When, when, you're, when your grandkids, and I don't think this is the first example, when your grandkids are used to breaking up fights between, your, between their grandmother and grandfather, like when they are casual about it, like, that's where it's time for, like, Mama and Papa Bear to intervene. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked that. I would have liked a moment where they were like, hey, by the way, Grand can tell the future now. Because I would have liked yeah. to see the, the reaction of the parents going, I'm sorry, what happened today? <laughs> like, oh, by the way, Papa, your mother is literally clairvoyant. <laughs> There's magic now, and Grand has it. Yes. Bye. <laughs> literally has it in a bowling ball bag. Oh, by the way, there's some kind of presence that exists outside our reality. It's looking in at Grizzly, Gramps, and Gran and doing something to our grandma. It's speaking to her day and night. She hasn't yes. eaten. She doesn't sleep. She <laughs> just stares warm, at it. It's pink, and she loves it, and we don't know what to do. Oh, and also your father bought a bowling alley. <laughs> that That's a concern right there. Like, Also, yeah. they should they should address that because now his parents don't have savings. and. Right. You know, maybe Papa should go down there and, you know, have a conversation. But I guess they were busy. 
Well, I didn't think that this week the Berenstain Bears would cross over with the Dark Tower series. Uh, I, 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 knowing Stephen King, I know that it, it's likely that he there's there's a, a total chance he read this book at some point and was like, "I'm going to work this into my universe." Like, I'm surprised that like Jake and Oi didn't stumble into Bear Country accidentally through a doorway. <laughs> that would be amazing. Why not? Everything else did in those last three books. Oh, Harry Potter reference? Sure, whatever. Oh, here's Doctor Doom. Why not? It's the Dark Tower, everyone. <laughs> Spoiler alert, there's golden snitches. <laughs> if you haven't read the Dark Tower series, yes, golden snitches are introduced as a plot point. Oh, the Dark Tower. Anyway. But, I mean, <laughs> I, it doesn't really count as a spoiler because you'll never see them coming. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the Berenstain Bears and the magic crystal caper well to be honest i i had assumed that it was going to be maybe about looking for crystals on like oh. a nice hike or something um then i saw the cover of the book and i went oh wait a minute <laughs> it's like a crystal <laughs> ball okay interesting uh, but then even in then i i had no idea when i read that first paragraph i i did have to stop and say wait a minute mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun yeah i mean that's the thing is that yeah, it was sort of bonkers, but mm-hmm. it was very fun. <laughs> so uh, I'm so used to these books um, making a lot of promises on the covers, like the Snow Monster, like the Sci-Fi Pizza, and not really paying it off in the middle. Like finding out that the book isn't actually about what's on the cover; it's about something else, and they'll like rush through the mystery in the last two chapters, and it's always just a big misunderstanding and nothing really exciting happens. This is the first book where the cover doesn't even begin to describe, like, no. oh, wow, there really is a magic crystal ball in this book. Like, that's literally a thing. There is a caper. Like, there's there's <laughs> theft and larceny and illegal gambling and uh, uh, magic goons. and goons and... Uh, domestic disturbances and all kinds of wackiness. We never find out what happens with the bears. Like the bear, the fact that they are bear scouts has nothing to do with this story. Uh, and I would say, like, this is probably one of my favorite bear scouts books because it goes in a unexpected direction. It builds on character beats that we've seen before. Uh, Lizzie Bruin gets a few moments of just her wacky nature nature goddess uh, earth mother uh animal whisperer herself uh, that i really wish they would just go whole hog on in these books but they never do uh i recommend it it's totally available it's one of the bear scouts books it's actually available as an ebook so if you want to pick it up it's easy to get i recommend people pick it up it's 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 a delight and at this point megan why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do on this internet of ours. Well, I write a blog called In the Attic, where I recap the works of V.C. Andrews. Uh, that is all of the series, uh, the ones beyond Flowers in the Attic, because there are ones beyond Flowers in the Attic. Uh, and yeah, I, I recap them, I talk about them, and it's a good time. <laughs> Now, of course, we can't go into any of the details because this is a family podcast no. yes. about Flowers in the Attic. But one thing that I, I found a little parallel is uh, Flowers in the Attic is one of those extremely uh, uh, adult-themed series. 
that tends to be read by people about the age range that these Berenstain Bears books were written for. Oh, yeah, if you think about it that way. <laughs> like, these books, the Berenstain Bears books, were written for kids, like, probably, like, ages, like, 11, 12. And that's kind of when people first dip into Flowers in the Attic, I found from following threads on Facebook. I mean, I, I do think a lot of that comes from the fact that I think for a while there were there was not a lot of YA yeah. literature. There was sort of books like that, like chapter, you know, Berenstain Bear books, and then just grown-up books that you thought, well, that cover looks interesting, so I'll read that. And yeah. there were definitely some books that were in the middle range, but it, I, at least what I remember from when I was that age, it wasn't quite as prevalent. So it kind of felt like once you, once you seem to be beyond a chapter book, you kind of went, well, all right, I'll read this one. Yeah. Plus they were the kind of books that like got passed around. Yeah. Like, so oh someone gosh, you knew read it and then it was like, well, I guess I have to read this too. Yep. <laughs> and then you got to read them all. Although frankly, I'm doing that about this magic crystal keeper. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, see, they pull you in. And Everyone you know, needs to read this. Yeah, everyone needs to read the Magic Crystal Caper. It'll only take you 20 minutes, so go for it. Exactly. Oh, So, uh, I'm sorry, where can they find that blog again? Uh, that is at trappedintheattic.wordpress.com. Trappedintheattic.wordpress.com. Check it out, everyone. Uh, if you want to find us, we're at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com. You can write to me at berenstainbearcast at gmail.com. Uh, go to my Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country. Throw a couple bucks my way if you want to. I'd appreciate that. Uh, I have two other podcasts. I have Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast that I do with John McCoy, and I have a podcast I do with my teenager, Ollie, called It's Del Toro Time. Uh, it's a Guillermo del Toro podcast, and we're currently covering his Ecstasy of Influence list, uh, which is his list of the most influential movies on his career. We're currently in the 1940s. We're going through that chronologically. If you want to check it out, It's Del Toro Time. Uh, rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you'd be so kind. We'd appreciate a couple more reviews up there and megan thank you so much for joining me on this week's show thank you so much for having me it was a delight uh and for everyone else we'll see you all next time deep in bear country